You just gotta keep living, man. L-I-V-I-N. Welcome to the Rock Your Life Podcast. Discover the tools you need to fulfill the highest, truest expression of yourself. From family and wellness to business and goals, it's time to dream out loud. It's time to rock it. This stuff will rock your world. Rock! And now your host, Chasta. Welcome to the Rock Your Life Podcast, another episode. Here we go. I am Chasta, your host, and this week we are going to talk about negative self-talk. So this is one of those episodes where I'm going to be pretty vulnerable with you guys. So I ask that you give me grace in this space um, because it's going to get deep and we're going to have a real good chat about negative self-talk, about body image, and all of the things that go along with it. So it all started when I realized I had gained a couple LBs being in quarantine, as I'm sure a lot of people, probably most people, have. In fact, I actually saw a statistic today uh, that said 76% of people have gained 16 pounds, an average of 16 pounds while sheltering in place with COVID-19. That didn't surprise me. Um, I thankfully have been mostly in check, uh, but I definitely have made some poor decisions. Maybe I've had a couple of more drinks than typical <laughs> just to get through. Don't judge me. Um, and so mine has been more like five or six pounds, but nonetheless, you feel it. When you start to gain weight, you just feel it, right? And I always say, look good, feel good, right? So I've been feeling it. I'm tugging at my clothes or I just, I take a side glance in the mirror and I can see those pounds and it starts to wear on you. Now, obviously I'm a female. This is something that females deal with on the regular. I don't know what it's like to be in a male brain, but I have to assume that maybe that affects guys in a similar but different way. I mean, maybe you feel the weight. Maybe you don't beat yourself up about it. Or maybe you do. I don't know. I'd love to hear from guys about this. Um, and we do have pretty equal uh, listeners here, male versus female. So I'd like to hear the differences, to be quite honest, because I think that would be fascinating. But uh, guys, to enlighten you, this is something that girls deal with. Negative body image talk is just... Man, it's a thing. So what happened was the chain of events went like this. I realized I'd gain a couple LBs. I usually don't step on the scale because I don't think the scale really is a good picture of health. So I typically stay off of it. I mean, honestly, I only weigh myself maybe every, I don't know, three or four months or something like that. Um, and that's just kind of a self-check, you know. I usually go by how I feel, most importantly, and how my clothes are fitting Am I tugging at those clothes? You know, that kind of thing. And so it was one of those moments where I stepped on the scale and I was like, ah, crap. <laughs> it was five, five or six pounds heavier than I wanted it to read. And so that was in my head. I let that number get to me, which is lame, I'll admit, but I did. And so then you take that number and you take that frustration in your head and you take it to social media, right? And so it's just sitting there in the back of your brain. While you're scrolling on Instagram, and I follow a lot of health and nutrition nuts on um, Instagram, fitness people, um, trainers, because I love it. I love fitness. I actually do work out every day, and I still have been. I've just been eating a little worse than usual um, and probably sitting a little bit more than usual. Um, but I'm on Instagram, and I'm seeing these fitness trainers and these health professionals and all these hard bodies and beautiful women, and you start playing the comparison game. Like, I'm not above it. I'm not above it. I mean, I try really hard not to fall into that trap. Um, but, you know, sometimes it happens. 
And it did. It happened. And I started getting down on myself about it. Even just five or six pounds, I let it get to me. And so I started the comparison game and I noticed it. And then I thought, no, no, I'm going to snap out of this. I'm not going to do this. And just about that time, I was reading a book. And again, if you're new to the podcast, anytime I say reading, I mean listening. Okay. Nobody has time to sit down with a book, not with a four-year-old in the house. So I'm listening to a book called Fierce, Free, and Full of Fire by the author Jen Hatmaker, which I think she is a saint. She is so incredible. That book is absolutely fire, as it says in the title. And I'm listening to her and she has this whole part about body image And just like the good Lord speaks in mysterious ways, he smacked me around a little on this one. She starts talking about the idea of talking about your body as if it were a friend, referring to your body as a she or a her, because we would never talk to a friend that way. I would never look at a friend and be like, oh my God, you you look awful in that, you know, outfit or I see a role here or there, or, you know, I would never, I mean, we would never, right? Unless you're a total a-hole, hopefully you would never. (laughs) I would never, I have a sweet, kind heart, and I would never treat my friends like that. Why is it so easy for us to look in the mirror and either say those things out loud or say them in our head? Either way, you're talking down to yourself. And so her idea, and I think in the book, if I remember right, I could be wrong, I think in the book she says this is somebody else's idea that she got, I'm giving the credit to Jen Hatmaker, but maybe it's somebody else. But anyways, the credit is not mine. That's the point. This was not my idea. But I wanted to talk about it because it hit me over the head and I thought it was super important. And she talks about refer to your body as a she or a her, like it's a friend. And then reframe how you look at her. And man, that really did it for me. That really hit home for me. And I started thinking about all the things that my body has accomplished having a baby without drugs, humble brag, sorry, had to. But I started saying it like that, that I'm proud of my body because she grew and fed a human. She has energy every single day to get up at 345 in the morning and work all day and then still take care of a family. She has carried me through half marathons and long, hard runs and workouts. She has provided me pleasure with my husband. And also, she has tolerated an immense amount of pain, going back to the giving birth without drugs thing. She has proven to be far stronger than my little brain ever thought she could be. And man, it just led me down this path of thinking about all the things she, my body, has done. She walked me down the aisle to marry my husband. Woo, getting a little emotional here. This body has carried me through my life. My God, why wouldn't I treat her better than this? Why would I look down upon her because she has a jiggly arm or a roll here and there? Like, why would I let that get in the way of just praising the power that she has? Because our bodies are incredible. Oh my God, the things they can do. One more time, going back to the having a baby with no drugs thing. Like, (laughs) holy crap. I was on the very verge of death. At least I know that sounds dramatic, but that's what it felt like. And I was able to accomplish that. And I just think it's real lame of me to let vanity get in the way of appreciating the power that my body has. Does that make sense? So... 
that really did it for me. That whole idea of talking to my, my body like it's a girlfriend changed the game for me. But then I started looking up self-talk, negative self-talk. And I saw this article by a psychologist. His name is Nick Wignall, I think is how you say his last name. I hope. I'll put the link um, in the show notes so you can click on it and read it because there's some really great information in there. But he sort of went more into the negative self-talk as a broad scope, not just body image, okay? Um, Because negative self-talk is basically any inner dialogue that you have with yourself that may be limiting your ability to believe in yourself and your own abilities and to reach your highest potential. So not just body image, but anything, right? It's any thought that diminishes your ability to make a positive change in your life or your confidence in yourself to do so. So maybe you're telling yourself you couldn't get that job or you couldn't get that guy, you couldn't date that guy, or uh, you could never run three miles, you could never run a half marathon, you could never do that workout, you could never push a baby out without drugs. You can, I promise. And that's the last time I'll mention that, I swear. (laughs) Can you tell it was a crazy experience for me? But our lives are like a story constantly unfolding in front of us. And we're constantly narrating the events of that story to ourselves as they unfold. We're always talking to ourselves. Maybe not out loud. I do. Maybe you don't. But in your head, there's always a narrative going on, right? And that idea of us talking to ourselves all the time, it's a mental habit, right? And we all do it, some more than others. But the idea of mental habits and mentally talking to yourself, that has profound practical implications for our lives, Specifically, how we feel emotionally. I mean, thoughts, they mediate emotions. In other words, words matter. Okay, so you're saying, all right, thoughts, they mediate emotions. What does that mean? So what? Well, if our thoughts determine how we feel, that means how we habitually think will determine how we habitually feel. So this is a long-term game, right? This is how you set yourself up for success or failure. The way you talk to yourself sets the theme and the trajectory even of your life. If you're the one in the driver's seat and you're telling yourself, I can get that job. I will date that guy. I will run a half marathon. I got this. Not a problem. I'll figure it out. I always do. Think about how powerful that confidence and those words are. And maybe you don't totally 100% believe it, but just keep going with that in your head, with those confident words. Do you think when I first ran my first half marathon that I thought I could do that? Because I promise you I did not. I promise you. When I went out to start training for a half marathon and I ran one mile and I literally thought I was dying, I for sure thought there is no way on God's green earth I can run 13.1 miles. But guess what? I just kept going. I kept training and I kept doing it tiny little increment by tiny little increment. One day I would run a mile. The next day I would run a mile and 10 more steps. And I just built on and built on. And over time, believing in myself and continuing the work and being consistent and showing up. Those things every single day, day in and day out, those added up. And so much of that is mind over matter, especially with running. I won't make this a whole running podcast because not everybody's runners and not everybody cares about running, but running is a big part of my life. But running is very much a mental game. It is very much mind over matter. Your body doesn't get near as tired as your mind tells you it is. I promise you. I have 
pushed myself through things I never thought I could. And 13.1 miles, that is certainly one of those things. I'm currently trying to decide if I want to run a full marathon. I think I can. I know I can. I could finish it. I just, do I want to? <laughs> like, do I want to put my body through that much strain? Do I want to train for something like that? I don't know. But of course, there's more to human suffering and mental health issues than just our habit of talking to ourselves. I mean, that's a pretty basic point, especially when you're talking about body image, okay? But our mental habits are an enormous piece of the pie. I mean, what we do every single day in our brain controls our life. Like I said, if you're in the driver's seat and you've got the trajectory going, you're guiding yourself to where you end up going. They also happen to be something that we do have direct control over and let's be real you don't have much control over a whole lot these days I mean most everything else that happens from an outside point of view from things happening to us we don't have control over that but you have control over the way that you think you have control over the way that you talk to yourself right and the way that you interpret what happens to you as well so that's where we're going to go off a little bit more from just body image okay so let's talk about the 10 types of negative self-talk or inaccurate self-talk as this uh, psychologist quotes so we're going to go through his list real quick mind reading mind reading is assuming we understand what other people are thinking without any real evidence we imagine what's going on in somebody else's head we play out a scenario based on little information that may not be accurate. In fact, it's very biased from our brain and it's probably inaccurate because we're just filling in the blanks. I'll give you an example. During a presentation we're giving, we notice the boss looking at her phone the whole time. So we assume in our minds why she's looking at the phone. She's so bored. We just assume something negative, right? She's so bored. She's over us. Or our spouse doesn't immediately say hello when they get home from work. So we assume he must be upset. I must have done something wrong. So number two, overgeneralization. That's the habit of telling ourselves that a negative event is bound to continue to happen in the future. When we overgeneralize, we make predictions about the future based on isolated pieces of evidence from the president. So I'll give you an example of that. After being told that our flight was delayed, we comment in our mind, oh, my flights are always delayed, right? You just go straight to the negative. You just... You assume because you're having a bad day or you've had a couple of delayed flights. It's all down the crapper. We always have delayed flights. Ugh, my life sucks. It's all over with, right? We can be a little dramatic sometimes, to say the least. After being passed over for a new position at work, we think to ourselves, I'll never get offered a promotion. I should just look for a new job. You talk yourself out of going for a, a new position at work or a promotion. Before you've ever even taken one step down that path, you can literally talk yourself out of it. I know we all do that. How about number three? Magnification. Magnification is when we take our own errors or flaws and we exaggerate them. Often magnification takes the form of catastrophizing. That's one of my favorite new words. I only heard this word like six months ago and I love it. And I'm, maybe I'm not saying it right, but catastrophizing. When we take small negative events and we turn them into huge dramatic disasters in our minds. For instance, after mistaking somebody's name at a cocktail party, we imagine, oh my God, they're going to think I'm not interested in them. Oh my God, they're going to think I'm such an a-hole. Or let's say after feeling a small heart palpitation, we think the worst. Oh my God, I'm going to have a heart attack. Is there something wrong with me? Do I need to go to the ER? If you're a hypochondriac, you probably do that all the time. And with COVID-19, I think we all kind of are. Uh, but man, catastrophizing is a big, big thing. Um, 
I notice a lot of people do that on social media too. Social media kind of brings out the worst of us, doesn't it? Minimization. Minimization is the mirror image of magnification and involves being dismissive of our strengths and positive qualities. I am the queen of minimization. I can have a list of 12 things and I can get eight of them done. Guess what I focus on? I focus on the ones I didn't get done. Or I can have these lofty goals and I can accomplish a couple of lofty goals. I will focus on the ones that I did not accomplish. I am so bad about that. The example he gives here, after receiving a test back, we comment to ourselves, yeah, I got an A, but I missed the easiest question on the whole exam. Or after a congratulatory remark from our spouse, after helping our child, we say to ourselves, they probably would have figured it out on their own. So, you know, it's very easy to go down that path for me. Um, you know, some of these may resonate with you in other ways, but that's a biggie for me. I am a perfectionist and I don't give myself enough credit. That is why I created a ta-da list instead of a to-do list. I am actually tracking things that are big and make me feel good about myself in the moment because I only let myself celebrate big successes for a very small window of time and then I move on. And I think making a ta-da list to go back and go, wow, I really did do some stuff. I started a ta-da list for COVID-19 when we started sheltering in place in March. I started one. And it's really interesting to go back and look at that list and be like, wow, I really actually, I've done some good stuff here. And I need to focus on the good instead of focusing on what I haven't done yet or what I haven't accomplished and then beating myself up for it. Emotional reasoning. Emotional reasoning is the habit of making decisions based on how we feel rather than what we value. When we use our emotions and feelings as evidence for what we should or shouldn't do, we end up spending all our time running away from discomfort rather than toward the things we really value. Depression and procrastination are common results of this. So he gives the example, I'm not going to go to the gym this evening. I just don't feel it, right? So you're basing that decision on how you feel as opposed to what maybe you should do. You should work out for your health. You should just go for it, even if you don't feel it. It's good for you, so... Go with the facts instead of the feelings. Black and white thinking. Man, this gets us in a lot of trouble. Again, on social media, does not Black and white thinking is the tendency to evaluate things exclusively in terms of extreme categories. It shows up most commonly when we evaluate our own personal qualities and characteristics this way. Black and white thinking is a problem because it sets us up for chronic disappointment. When our expectations are consistently exaggerated, we never meet them. And then always feel bad about ourselves. This kind of goes hand in hand with what we were talking about a little earlier about not giving myself credit. So his example, after getting a B minus on an exam, we mutter to ourselves, I'm such an idiot. Okay, you're not an idiot. Like there's middle ground there. It doesn't have to be an A or an F, a pass or fail. Like a B minus is like, that's all right. You did pretty good. You know, there's, there is some middle ground to work with or thinking back on a recent date that seemed to go badly. We think, oh, I'm so awkward. I'm never going to date again. Okay, you had a bad date. Everybody can have a bad day, right? Most times we try to have the best day we can or the best date, but it's just not in the cards every day. We have to be realistic and we can't just go all or nothing. I see this black and white thinking in dieting all the time. I used to do this. I'm getting better at it because when I recognized that I did it, I started working on it. But I see people on social media do this all the time. They'll go on a diet, right? And then they have one bad day and they're like, ah, give it up. It's all over with. I'm just going to go completely off the rails. I'm going to jump off the cliff into a vat of butter popcorn or whatever it is and I'm done. It's a thousand percent or no percent. And that's just not healthy. 
we, again, can have bad days. We can fall off the wagon. All you have to do is recognize it, let it be, and then get back on the wagon, whatever that wagon may be. Personalization. Personalization involves assuming excessive amounts of responsibility, especially for things that are mostly or entirely outside of our control. We mentioned this earlier. Lots of things are outside of our control. An exaggerated sense of responsibility leads to excessive attempts at control, which in turn leads to chronic stress and anxiety because you're trying to hold on to things. You're trying to control things, but you really don't have the power to do so. His example, after our child makes a crucial mistake at the end of a basketball game, we think to ourselves, if only I had practiced with her yesterday when she asked me to, she would have made that shot. So you're taking something that's completely out of your control, you're personalizing it, and you're putting it on yourself, and you're making that negative self-talk right back to yourself, that it's your fault. Or when a supervisor points out an area for improvement in our work, we assume, I'm such a screw-up, why can't I just do things right? And you make it this big cataclysmic event goes back to catastrophizing and it just doesn't have to be that blown out of proportion and let's be real one of my favorite sayings I say it a lot not everything's about you you know what I mean I said it to myself like by the way but I'm also saying it to you (laughs) not everything is always about you don't make everything about you fortune telling Fortune telling is the mental habit of predicting what will happen based on little or no real evidence. Boy, don't we do this. Instead, when our mind throws a negative outcome or worst case scenario at us, we go with that and we tell ourselves that that's what's going to happen. His example, after a date that finished quickly, we say to ourselves, well, there's no way he's ever going to call me again. We already can see in that crystal ball. Forget it. It's done. It's all over with. Or after walking out of a meeting, we predict they hated that. There's no way they're going to accept our proposal. That's kind of a mixture of mind reading and fortune telling. Uh, But that is, of course, just taking something and just going straight down the path of negativity. Um, And I think a lot of people very easily do that. Labeling. Labeling is the habit of describing ourselves or others in one extreme way, usually negatively, because people and their sense of self, including our own, are highly complex and ever-changing. Labeling is always an inaccurate oversimplification. His example, after finishing a 5K with a slow time, we tell ourselves, I'm a loser. I do this going back to running because that's something that I do almost daily. I'll do this. If I go out and have a bad run, I think I'm like falling off. Like, oh my God, you know, this was such a struggle. Why two days ago did I have a great run and it was so easy for me and I wasn't in my own head. I was just like going and everything was great. And then today I'm like barely making it a mile and a half without dying. There's so much going on at play with that for me to get down on myself or let that lead me down a path of negative self-talk. Um, It's just so unnecessary because, again, going back to giving ourselves grace and letting ourselves have a bad day or a bad run or whatever it is. Should statements. Should statements are a kind of self-talk we use to try and motivate ourselves by always telling ourselves what we should and should not do. The problem is most of life's decisions are not obvious cut and dry choices. They involve ambiguity, uncertainty, and inherent risk. When we're in the habit of using should statements, we set up a false expectation that we should have more certainty than we do. This can lead to chronic frustration, anxiety, and resentment. For example, after missing an important call from our boss, we tell ourselves, I should have known he was going to call about the Johnson account this evening. Or I just have to nail this performance, we tell ourselves before going on stage. I just have to. I have to. I should do this. I should do that. And we put really high, sometimes 
very unrealistic expectations on ourselves and we cause ourselves more stress and anxiety than needs to be. And also that goes right back around to controlling situations. You know, sometimes you put your best effort out there and you come up to things that just aren't in your control and that is just life. And then to turn around and blame yourself and take all of that upon yourself and just berate yourself internally or out loud it's just, it's so destructive. It really is. It's a very destructive behavior. And the good news is, is that we can be aware of it when we catch ourselves. A lot of times we do those things without even realizing it. I even talk out loud to myself sometimes without even realizing it. Um, but we definitely do it in our brain without thinking about it. But when you catch yourself, right, that's when you can start to make that change. As the great Maya Angelou said, and this is a quote I live by every day. I say this to myself out loud probably at least once a day. When you know better, do better. When I find myself talking negative or going through any of these behaviors and I catch myself, that's the key. When I catch myself, I will say out loud, when you know better, do better. And I can walk myself through it. Okay, I made a mistake here, but now I recognize that I know better. So therefore, next time I'll do better. And that can go for anything in your life. Whether you're working on a work project and maybe you're working with a group of people and that group of people sucks and you ended up doing the whole thing by yourself, then you can say, all right, next time I know this is how this is going to work out. So I'm going to take a different action um, and try to cause yourself less stress or, you know, going back to running. Maybe I didn't eat enough that day or drink enough water or maybe it's too dang hot and I don't need to be running in it anyways and I just give myself a break. Whatever it may be, when you know better, do better. So try to catch yourself. You can, you can even validate your feelings and say, okay, like with this little bit of weight gain that I've had, right? I'm validating that, all right, I've fallen off the wagon just a little bit. I sit in my studio a lot more. I don't have a reason to get up as often and go chat with people at work. So I have been making a point to get up every hour and walk around the house or do some squats in my gym just outside my studio door or whatever. And I try really hard to make it a point to correct that. So I'm validating what's going on without beating myself up. I'm taking that out of the middle. I'm going straight from validating the situation to, all right, what can I do about it? So I gained six pounds. Well, it's not the end of the world. There's got to be something I can do about it. Nothing extreme, but let's just make these couple changes. Maybe I go to light beer instead of my favorite IPAs. Whatever the case may be, make the change. And then when you know better, do better. So there you go. This article is really great. And there's a lot, lot, lot more to it than that. I will absolutely put the link up on the show notes. So if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, whatever, just click on this episode. You will see that. I will also try to make a PDF out of it um, and put that on my website. Anytime you're looking for more information, odds are you can find it on chastalyn.com. C-H-A-S-T-A-L-Y-N-N.com. That is my website. And I put up PDFs. I put up links and all kinds of stuff. So I would love to hear your take on it. Um, and especially, I would like to kind of compare female to male. So no matter who you are, no matter what sex you are, I would love to hear how this resonated with you. Either the body image part 
or maybe just the talking yourself out of doing great things part, minimizing your goals. However this struck you, I want to hear about it. You can send me an email, chastaonair at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to hit me up on social media, of course, you could do so. Instagram at Chasta Lynn, C-H-A-S-T-A-L-Y-N-N. Twitter is Chasta and Facebook is Chasta Radio. Big shout out to this psychologist I found, Nick Wignall. I'm sure I'm butchering his name, uh, but he's uh, seems like a great dude and wrote a really fascinating article. So I appreciate that and look for that link. And otherwise, I will talk to you soon. I hope you're having a wonderful week. I hope you're talking really beautifully to yourself. And until next time, remember, rock your life.